Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 28 of the Skill Trades Playbook. I'm your host, Juan Caroso, author of the At Your Best Playbook series. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Tony Davis. Tony is the executive director of the Natchitoches Community Alliance Foundation and a member of the Louisiana Board of Elementary and Secondary Education. We'll be talking about the tremendous impact on people's lives and the very real economic benefit of launching a successful FAME program, training and employing advanced manufacturing technicians in a local and regional market. FAME, or the Federation for Advanced Manufacturing Education, currently has chapters and programs in nearly 30 local markets in 13 states. However, going forward, with the support of the National Association of Manufacturers, FAME is going to be rolled out to local communities across the nation. So let's get started. So Tony, please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you came to be associated with uh, FAME, and just to put things in context so that we can have our conversation. Absolutely. So um, I'm actually a Natchitoches native, uh, and that's where I, I do this work. And so um, I've had several roles which just allow me to help uh, accentuate the positive in our region and try to build out our economy locally. And uh, I ran the Chamber of Commerce here as a parish-wide entity or, or county equivalent uh, for many years. and did not take long in that role to realize that if we're going to help build out an economy, it's through a lot of hard work in education, education policy, and workforce programs. And um, working in that direction ended up moving me into an elected position with education, but it also led me into directly taking over an organization that I now run, the Natchitoches Community Alliance Foundation, or NCA. And, and we do a lot of work uh, across the spectrum for economic development. And of course, a big part of that is workforce. We ran across this program as we hosted a regional uh, event between a Central Louisiana Manufacturers Managers Council, as well as the Northwest Louisiana Manufacturers Managers Council, the MMCs. Every year we would host a group uh, in Natchitoches from the central part of the state as well as the Northwest part of the state. And, and in 2000, and I believe it was 2016, we had Dennis Parker come in and introduce us to the concept of FAME and the Advanced Manufacturing Technician Program. And it really caught fire. And as they say, the rest is history. We got busy in a hurry and begin to move down the pathway to instigate a FAME chapter locally. So uh, that's the really brief narrative of how I got involved with FAME. And the short of that, again, is recognizing the need for really strong and effective workforce programs to help build out an economy. Expand a little bit about the FAME program and the AMT program and what that represents, because it would make sense to set some context before we get into the broader discussion. Absolutely. So we're going to say FAME and we're going to say AMT a lot in this conversation. So it's important to know that FAME is an acronym for the Federation for Advanced Manufacturing Education. And FAME works as sort of an an umbrella. It's in uh, approximately 13 states at this point. And under that umbrella of FAME, under that umbrella for advanced manufacturing education, there are three programs. The program that we're going to talk a lot about today is the Advanced Manufacturing Technician, or AMT. And AMT is an intensive training program with the intent of producing a student with the skill sets needed to succeed as a multi-skilled technician in today's modern manufacturing environment. So they're going to be working on 
professional behaviors. They're going to work on some strong technical skills, and they're going to work on these manufacturing core exercises. And so those three topical areas really uh, produce sort of the three legs of a stool. One is just as integral as the next, and we feel like that after having developed skills in those areas, along with earning a degree, that these are students then that are that are several years, we think, at least much more experienced than their peer group uh, and prepared to take on important roles in that environment. So the, the program, is a, generally speaking, takes place as a FAME chapter begins. So there's a federation of local employers who come together uh, as a cooperative. They form a FAME chapter. That FAME chapter then will partner with a local educational institution. That educational institution provides the classroom experience uh, for teaching these modules two days a week. The employer, one of the employers of that uh, FAME chapter, will then hire this candidate to work in their environment three days a week. And this whole process will be uh, over five semesters to earn an associate's degree uh, during the training period. So again, sort of the quickly recap, FAME is the Federation for Advanced Manufacturing. It is the footprint that we all work under it's in approximately 13 states now. And then once you form a same chapter, the program that you partner with uh, a local community or technical college with to produce is the Advanced Manufacturing Technician or ANT. And that's a combination of two days in class, three days in work, over five semesters to earn the ANT certificate and associate's degree. So let's talk a little bit about the students that uh, you look to bring into the program. It demands a lot of the institutions and the employers, but the, the, the students are the third players in this, whole, uh, in this whole enterprise. Talk to me about what you expect and what you see and, uh, with the, the students that you currently have and the ones that you think that, that you'll be bringing into the program. Obviously, this is a very important aspect of the students. And I think it's important to note, too, that our target audience are, uh, well, they're 18-year-olds, they're really. I mean, they are, we're looking at students who are graduating high school. We would like them to start uh, in the AMT program in the fall of the same year they graduate. So they'll graduate in May. We'd like to have them in an environment load later than fall. We're going to take classes to move this thing forward. So that's our target audience. Not to say that that's our only audience, but it's our target. Now, as I just explained with the, the model, um, this is a little different. Uh, it's a little different in that we're asking students now to not only work almost full time, three days a week. And what I mean by almost full time, obviously the hours aren't there, but the hours are there each of those days. So they're going to be in, in a work environment first thing in the morning all day long, three days a week. And not only that, they're going to do it in the fall semester, probably work a little bit in between semesters, do it again in the spring work in the summer, fall, spring, summer again. Their friends, however, that are also 18-year-olds are going to take two weeks off when they're in college in the wintertime. They're going to have summers off, most likely. Um, they're going to be working part-time jobs a few hours at a time here and there. Now, others may be going into work environment and working full-time, different things, but it's important to know the peer pressure is what it is. And so we're asking a lot of these students just on the education side, but then moving on into the fact they're earning a degree while they're at it. And they're earning this prestigious certificate as well. That means in two days a week, they're going to be with a cohort of students in a manufacturing-like environment at an educational institution, working in classes 
where they're learning everything from 5S to hydraulics to PLCs to college-level algebra or, or trigonometry. So they're going to be they're going to have a full load. They're going to be going Monday, Wednesday, Friday to a, a full work experience, Tuesdays and Thursdays for a full academic experience, and they're going to do this straight through for five semesters. That can be intimidating and it can be daunting. So we have to be very, very clear in our expectations to our students as we recruit. We have to be clear in our expectations to parents as we recruit as well. They have them understand that it is a challenge, but it's a huge reward because they're getting such a concentrated and intense level of training that we know that we are producing extremely viable candidates for employment. We're producing students who are getting a big head start on a full career. We're getting students who are ready to take on intense responsibilities at an earlier than anticipated age. They're going to be uh, employed, well employed. They're going to be employed in good uh, sectors in manufacturing, but they're going to get good pay. They're going to get good, strong responsibilities and great benefits for that. And they're going to be respected in their institutions because of the time they spent in this kind of program. And again, it's recognized not just where we are here in Louisiana in our program, but in these other states that have AMT programs under their frame uh, chapters as well. So there's some mobility to this. So there is a there's a, a trade-off. It is difficult, but there's a, a good uh, upside to it as well. Now, we also have to work really hard on not just communicating the challenge of the program, but communicating to um, the schools, the counselors, the parents, to others who we're looking for in the program. Because we're looking for students that are capable of moving into a four-year degree environment, but don't want to move into that environment. Again, these students have to earn a degree, and they're going to be learning some advanced technology, uh, um, advanced uh, methods, they're going to have to be strong academic candidates. So we're not looking for students who can't go to college. We're looking for students who don't want to go to college. And that's a very important distinction. So uh, we do look at ACT scores. We look at GPAs. We look at their involvement in other programs, specifically in programs that may have helped uh, either show an affinity for or show their uh, abilities in uh, areas that are important in our environments, whether that may be through welding or through presentations or through electronics and so on and so forth. And so um, it is a it is a lot that goes into the student piece of this. It's a lot that goes into describing to our partners who we're looking for to be referred into the program. And then it's a lot to say, hey, let me help you understand that there's a huge challenge in front of you, but it's an even bigger reward if you can get through this challenge. Now, it's also important to note that we're not setting off our students, we're not sending them off the wolves. That because of the unique nature of the same chapters and their relationship with the educational partners that they choose, we do work with success coaches, we have mentors on the job site. There's a lot of communication to help make sure that we are providing the best experience we can for the students to help them succeed. We want them to have real-world experiences that correlate and coincide with the, with the academic learning they're going through. We want to make sure that's happening. We also have a lot of communication that says, hey, uh, you know, I'm the mentor for this student, and they've, they've really been um, tired at work lately. I'm not sure what's going on. And the teacher then is talking to them and saying, hey, you know, I, I see that too. I'm going to talk to them as well, but I think they're having issues with maybe their algebra homework, you know. So how do we help bring in some reinforcements to make sure that's covered? Um, at the same time, we say, you know, I, I'm noticing that um, 
that I've had a student who's late for class twice. What's the lesson here? And well, they weren't late yet, but they're getting closer and closer every day. So let's sit down and have a talk with them and let them understand the expectations because they are an employee of that same member. And we want to make sure they understand the responsibilities thereof. But we're able to kind of work with them to help them to better understand that and not let them find out when it's too late. Seriously, the the opportunity that it it represents for a young person to consider the career pathway that is presented by way of fame is truly extraordinary. Uh, by the time they work through these five semesters, the, the opportunity to have the skill set, the education, the understanding in, in those uh, personal and professional character traits that are critical to being successful in business and in, in, in the, at the job site are so incredibly important. Um, what a tremendous opportunity for these young people. Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, we're, we're working towards getting the point we can see, we can quantify that more, but we've seen the more mature chapters of fame that, generally speaking, these, these candidates, these students, when they go to this program, are two and three and four years ahead of their peers. So you imagine if you work six years from 18 to 24, the money you're making at that point, you imagine going through this from two years, from 18 to 20, and being 20, 21 years old and making what someone who's four and five years ahead of you in that same environment is making. And your responsibilities are correlated to that. That just sets you up on such a much stronger and better trajectory for your entire career. And you can't get it in any other, any other place. One of the things that as you look at your local economy, some things that, that make it stand out to me is how far-reaching the the area that you cover with the FAME program and the special implications that that has on the program, how you roll it out, how you recruit. And I'd, I'd love to understand a little bit more about how some of the, the implications can be more broadly applicable to other communities around the country. So if you could talk more specifically about some of those challenges and how you overcame them and and just give us that sense of, of uh, how the, the, the FAME program has taken hold given the, the dynamics of your area. Certainly. So when we look at, at what it takes to put a program like this in, you know, certainly you have to have a chapter, uh, the FAME chapter, which is your coalition, uh, the cooperating entities that work together, the employers. Well, in some areas, they're highly condensed. Perhaps you have a manufacturing cluster. It's a really strong sector that's pretty close together. In our area, that's absolutely not the case. Uh, as you referenced, Natchitoches Parish is um, in central Louisiana here. There are approximately 39,000 people in Natchitoches Parish. At the same time, Natchitoches Parish is 1,250 square miles large. Uh, that makes it bigger than Rhode Island. I mean, this is a uh, this is really an extenuating circumstance. Well, as you move out across central Louisiana, you see this pattern repeated over and over again. In our area, Wood products is a major uh, source for manufacturing here. And because of that, as we joke about, we say, you know, you don't put a paper plant close to a large population. Well, that's the case here. So we've got several timber processing that make beans, uh, different wood products like that, paper products in the area, but they're not close. So as we work to bring this together, we recognize that we've got to have students in a classroom twice a week. We had established Natchitoches as that central location. And then we began to recruit partners both in Natchitoches and around Natchitoches. And we were very conscious of the fact that we've got to take into account drive times. 
that if we're going to ask the student to be in a classroom in Natchez twice a week all day long, and then be in an employer's location three times a week all week long, and to repeat this process not one, two, three, four, but five semesters, that we really got to be conscious of the time it takes uh, for them to get to these locations. That's part of their commitment to this work, and it's just not reasonable uh, to have them travel too far, which simply leads itself to them getting out of the program. And so this has been something that we're very cognizant of from the get-go. Every employer has recognized that a couple of things have to happen, that we've got to be very conscientious in how we recruit uh, employees into the program, that we got to think about what high schools are in what areas. We've got to have a close relationship with the university and, and the schools that we work with. Uh, we can come back to this, but as I reference the university, know that we do utilize two educational partners for our FAME program, which is a little different, actually very different than other FAME programs. But because of that, we do get to utilize the recruiting offices of a four-year regional university. And we make sure that, um, that, again, when we're looking at where we're recruiting, that it's in an area that we feel like we either have an employer uh, close in that area or that it's a feasible drive for students from that high school who may or may not be living at NSU, the university, um, or they may be living at home, can they make that drive either way? So if they live on campus, that makes it that much easier. We've now got them where they're not having to drive long ways for their schooling two days a week, and rather their only drive now is to their employer three days a week. So we've got kind of to eliminate one of the variables that we can get them living and housing on campus for that matter. So. These employers recognize that, that we say we have students, we have good students, you may like this student. However, it's a really long drive time for the student. So how do we make sure that we are, we are interviewing sort of in mass, that we're really taking time to make sure that we're vetting all of our candidates to say, hey, we have more than one good candidate here. You take the one that's easier for them to drive to your facility, and this other employer can get one that you liked, but it actually is a much better drive time to their facility. Uh, and that takes a strong understanding and partnership from the get-go so that the employers don't feel like there's favorites being passed along or that they're losing out. Uh, so it's really a really strong team effort. Uh, and it's been successful in that matter, but it certainly adds challenges to this process. One of the things that seems to be a hallmark of setting up one of these FAME programs in your local area is this flexibility because it it seems like every FAME program has its unique characteristics to the local market. So the coalition of employers and education uh, bodies and private and public entities involved all have to recognize that their local market conditions and concerns have to be taken into account and then be prepared to be flexible about tweaking elements of the FAME program to fit the needs of the local market. You've got another role beyond uh, the NCA. You also are, are part of the educational system in Louisiana. So it's interesting how you, you straddle the, uh, the both worlds in that way. How much of the accommodation took place on the other side of your, of your world? Well, I'm glad you bring that up and you referenced that. And I think the short answer is a lot of things are happening now. We're recognizing through our experience how much more we have to move that same level of cooperation out to the educational systems. To your point, the employers are doing a great job of recognizing the challenges and working with that. Where we see opportunities with our education policy, and, and to frame that in context, um, to reference my position there, I'm one of 11 members 
on the Louisiana Board of Elementary and Secondary Education, so our state school board. We cover policies for essentially birth through five as well as K through 12 schooling. Now, obviously, our target audience for this program are students who are leaving high school. So they're, they're leaving sort of the policy realm that I work in. But it's important to note that in Louisiana, we, we run what we call Jumpstart through our high schools, which are junior and senior level classes, where we're encouraging students to pursue, that, that are not otherwise pursuing college perhaps, to pursue certifications, particularly terminal type certifications. So uh, for instance, we may have in, in available to students to pursue NCCER level one, two, or three, perhaps in pipe fitting or welding or um, uh, machining somewhere along that line. Well, how we tie that opportunity in with the not only the marketing but also the preparation for programs like AMT are really important. A lot of that's communication, making sure that our school systems understand that uh, they're helping prepare uh, these students for a career. But at the same time, knowing that uh, it's the 21st century and the way education and careers work, they're almost intertwined, that we have uh, constant learning environments, that if you're an employee at a large manufacturing facility or if you're an employee in cybersecurity, you're going to be pursuing credentials along the way. There will be certificates along the way. And we think it's important to note that if you're preparing a high school student and they're in a jumpstart pathway, to understand that you could go right out of that into an AMT program where you're pursuing a two-year degree, you're pursuing an AMT certificate. At the same time, then you may go right back into the work environment and not pursue anything for some time. You may also be able to then pursue a four-year right on the road. Your employer may help you do that. The certificates that you gain in high school through Jumpstart can be applied towards credit, uh, as we hope to make this work out, to be applied towards credit in your two-year degree as you're pursuing the AMT. The certification. So we want this to be, um, if you think about it, it used to be the education so often was like a tree and, and the trunk of the tree was your K-12 and then you get in this flurry of branches where you go in military, where you're going to go two-year, where you're going to go four-year, where you're going to go technical community college, where you're going to go to work. And, and we think that now it'll be more like a train track and you get on and get off at different stations, but you can constantly move forward and back and forth as you need to. So we're trying to align some policies in our in our K-12 environment that not only make sure that we're preparing students who want to move into programs like AMT, but that they're able to move into AMT programs, that they're aware of AMT programs. And as we recognize the strength of the same umbrella in programs like the Advanced Manufacturing Technician that fall underneath that umbrella, how can we better accentuate those programs, build them out as they are obviously and, and fairly quickly meeting needs in our uh, manufacturing sectors, and kind of move that back into the K-12 environment and say, can we, can we add in something like what we do specifically in Louisiana, the Certificate for Manufacturing, or C4M. The C4M is produced by Louisiana Economic Development, the state-recognized certificate. Manufacturers within the state of Louisiana know the basis for the certification, and it provides a broad overview of manufacturing or industrial setting. Uh, and I mean by that, you cover hydraulics and pneumatics, electronics and safety, and a few other areas. It is a very, very light version of AMT, uh, not nearly to that extent, but it's a wonderful way for students to get acclimated to know two things. Can they succeed in AMT, and do they want to succeed in AMT? If they pursue C4M in a high school setting, and they say, man, this is great. I learned a lot. I like this kind of thing. So that makes them ideal to move into AMT, and that much better prepared. 
conversant that may say this is great information. I'd like to have it. It's good to have in my back pocket. If certification for use later, but it's not what I want to pursue as far as this time. So maybe AMP is not the route they want to go. Yet they still have that certification in hand. So as we look at our policies, we recognize we can award credit for high school students uh, in these areas, in these industrial areas. We also think about uh, partnerships. The uh, AMC program is focused through two-year institutions, technical and community colleges. Well, as it happens, in many situations, our high schools are not able to offer the various credentials that we'd like to offer uh, in their high school setting. It's simply too expensive. It's, it's a new cost for them. They're not able to put it in effectively or at scale. So we make sure we find existing or partnerships that can exist between the existing technical community college campuses in a geographic area and the high schools in that area. Well, that gives us a chance now to help further identify educational partners for AMT. Those schools that are seeing more and more students at, at, from juniors and high schools in the local area in these technical areas are prime candidates to become educational partners for fame checkers as we look to expand this around the state. You know, when you bring together all the elements that you've described, whether it's from the employer side, the education side, have you had the opportunity to begin to quantify the expected implications on the community? You're going to have a resource of people with the skill sets that, that help local manufacturers uh, continue operation and grow their business and so on. But from an economic development perspective, I've got to believe that having these kind of resources being built up in terms of people and, and education infrastructure, it's a great way to, to suggest to other potential employers come to our, our community, however rural or spread out it might be, we've got the resources and people and, and education to uh, support your, your business efforts. Have you been able to quantify any of that so that we can communicate that to others who may be considering a FAME program deployment in their region? So when you ask about quantifying, you know, we, we have some, some numbers and we have areas to quantify, but I think to answer your question, absolutely yes. This is a quantifiable program. It's a program that allows us to measure the students that are going into the program. It's a program that allows us to keep up with who's in the program, what level of performance they have, where they're employed, and then upon graduation, we can, are able to determine are they staying with the employer that they trained with? Are they moving to other employers? And if there are not positions within the employers, the FAME members themselves, where are they going to work? And, and we can use those numbers in a lot of ways. We can look at increasing seats with the existing employers. We can look at increasing the number of facilities with those existing employers. We can look at increasing the employers themselves. How many more members of FAME can we add in knowing that we've got enough students that are quality, quality that want to go into this program it makes it much easier to bring in other members into the FAME chapter. At the same time, the FAME members recognize, and this has often been articulated around our planning table, they recognize that while they may not have a spot for a graduate today, that they will have a spot sooner than later, that there will be churn, there will be some turnover. It's the way of the world now. It's one of the things we're hedging against with a program like this. And all of these employers recognize the huge value of having these trained employees in the vicinity working in some capacity in these areas. They know that it may leave company ABC to go to company XYZ later. They may go back for some reason at some point. 
they're aware that these things happen. What's important to them is having the person with the skill set. And a program like AMT makes sure they, they have that person with that skill set. Whether they hire them right now or they hire them later, they're in our area. It's the proverbial rising tide raises all ships type scenario. And so there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to be quantified in that. Now, when we look at the impact, there are other ways to look at that as well. We can say, uh, if you've got, if you're an employer and you've got an AMT in your ranks, where are they in one year, in two years, in three years? How does that compare to an employee who walked in off the street with, a, with, with no experience from day one? If you assume that an AMT student is going in with no experience from day one, and there's another person, uh, John Doe, with no experience, how much further are AMT candidates moving along? And that's a measure of productivity, and that's a real bottom dollar uh, sign. So, yes, there's a great deal to be quantified out of programs like AMT, and we're really excited about as we build this out, what that means for us in our repertoire. As you said, how do we put this out and say, hey, we have the skills that you're looking for. These are high-demand areas. This is a pinch point in your business model, but we've got the skilled technicians here who can handle that part of your business. Understood. We know that the National Association of Manufacturers is now going to be stepping up to take over the, the future rollout nationally of the uh, FAME program. Toyota has done a phenomenal job of taking the lead and driving the, the, the growth and evolution of the program, but now under the auspices of the National Association of Manufacturers through their Manufacturing Institute, um, being able to see how this program can be directed and pushed to uh, communities across the country. The opportunity is, is vast and very important for all our economies to, to take hold of. It would be interesting to get your perspective on how you would communicate to those in your respective uh, roles, how they should be considering the, uh, the, the FAME program and working with uh, NAM and the, the Manufacturing Institute? Certainly. So I, I want to reiterate that Toyota has done a phenomenal job, that, that Dennis and his role with Toyota and just the leadership there having, having recognized this need and then driven the, no pun intended, but driven the, the creation of this program and, and really seeing it spread is it, tremendous. Uh, and, and I think we could have asked for more. The transition to the National Association of Manufacturers is, is um, tremendous. And the, the, what, they have, what they will bring to the table in terms of the national footprint and resources and the work they'll do to the Manufacturing Institute is going to be very important. And so I see a number of, of things with that. Um, I see that we will have, for local support, you'll have more of a national awareness. There'll be more... Um, FAME partners, potential FAME partners that will be more aware of through internal communication and channels, they'll be more aware of what FAME is and what the AMT program can look like and should look like. Um, it will make it so the AMT is not seen as sort of the latest and greatest, but rather a very strong program with a very strong footprint nationally and a strong record of success. To be able to articulate that to the representatives around the table with NAM and the Manufacturing Institute and have that trickle down through internal channels to various locations of a single company is really, really powerful. It takes a lot of the pressure off of local uh, partnerships to show the value. Uh, they're able to say, here's, here's what it looks like, here's what I can tell you, at the same time say, oh, 
Well, I've got an email, the communication. When we met at corporate, we talked about this program and what it means. And these are, that's a tremendous partnership I see happening with that. On the local level, though, I think you have to think about um, how the latest same chapters have begun and what that means for new chapters to begin. And that is to say that the, the history of, of fame and AMT was created through Toyota. When I mean through Toyota, as Toyota expanded its footprint, it always expanded the fame footprint. We here in Natchitoches, Louisiana, were the first chapter to begin without Toyota. We were the first one to say, let's take a, a strong coalition of willing and able partners and come together at one time, which is difficult to get the synergy and that sort of critical mass in a hurry that allows you to stand up a program like this and move it forward. And I think that that's what folks in my position should be thinking hard about around the country is to know that there's less of a challenge now with having the support from the national level. I feel like that'll be very important and a great resource, but there's still a challenge. And the challenge locally is to say, how do I make sure that, I, that I'm articulating not only the value of this, but the challenges of a program like this? That I'm making sure that we're communicating um, that in our area, and the local economic development uh, professional will know that area better than anyone. In our area, what does our manufacturing sector look like? What are our strong points and our weak points? Who are the major players? Who can put resources in this and who will not? Who would like to support it, but maybe can't support it as strongly? Start those communications, get those people around the table, build that out. It doesn't happen overnight, but I think now is a great time to start that conversation with these people and start talking about the program and what AMC means, quantifying the lack that's in the community. I can almost guarantee you there's going to be a demand and a need for multi-skilled technician in these different facilities, no matter where you are in our country. And so articulating these things and having these discussions and building up this point of saying, hey, now that we're on the same page, let's look at how we can begin this partnership. Creating that partnership formally, and again, there'll be more resources now for that. Having people come in and speak to the employers, to speak to the local partners, the stakeholders, and how we bring this together. And then finding those education partners. And again, this is one of the, this is a major, major uh, piece of fame. And, and arguably what makes it, uh, one of the many aspects that make it unique is that it's driven, driven by the employers. And what I mean by that is, if you've had these conversations, you're bringing everyone to the table, you have anywhere from a half dozen to two dozen employers who say, yes, this is important. We, we see the value. We want to support. We want to hire these candidates. We want to train these candidates. We are forming a common voice through a common entity, the same chapter. Now, through that common voice, we're going to go find a partner in education that will provide exactly what we need to have. Not that we're going to go look for an item on the shelf, but that we're going to say these are the trainings that our employees need. These are the skills that they have to have. These are the manufacturing core exercises. These are professional behaviors they've got to have. These are the technical skills that they have to have. Now, who in our area can provide that for us? And finding that right partner is a big part of this process. But again, I think that having uh, the opportunity now to start the discussions with the employers to make sure that there's more and more um, uh, I guess, a, a table-level knowledge where everyone can sit down in one place and say, yeah, I get it. I understand the value here. Getting to that point now makes it so much easier to coalesce around a, a common identity, a local fame chapter, and then go forth and find the education partner. And I say that because if you don't find the right educational partner, it could fall apart there. 
and there's a couple of ways it falls apart. There's a way if there's not a commitment to the program from the educational partner, then it falls apart. If they're not going to put the right instructors in, if they're not going to follow the curriculum, if they're not going to have the equipment for the, the students to learn on, it'll fall apart. If there's not a leadership buy-in that says, you know what, we recognize how important this is. We recognize how important it is to have partnership with the same chapter because of the employers that it represents. We're going to stand by this for three years or for five years. We're going to commit to making it happen because it won't happen overnight. It's going to have to grow no matter where you are. And so you've got to make sure all those things are articulated and that you're all on the same page. And again, this is how it's going to be developed in most places around the country. It will not be, uh, there'll be far more places where AMT is needed and would be a great addition that do not have one single major player. There'll be far more places like that than there are where there is a single major player. And that's great. In those areas, same process, you just have a few people at the table. You may have one or two employers who really can dominate this. But in many places around our country, especially in rural areas, it's going to take six, eight, 10, 12, 14 employers of varying size that may only take one candidate. It may take one to five or, or so, but you need all of them around the table at one time with one level of knowledge to make sure you can be successful in a program like this. Having NAM at the national level providing resources and backup, marketing information, and then channeling information through its membership, I think will be a tremendous asset to help the local chamber, uh, the local chapter succeed. Great. So just to recap, from your perspective, if I understood you correctly, the, the lead should come from every community is going to be different, but the economic development organization or director or part of the city council or whoever it is that is at the focal point of driving economic development in a local community, driving to get the local manufacturers to coalesce around the concept of bringing in a fame chapter into their local area. Once you have that kind of demand capability from a from an employer perspective and a community economic development element, then approaching the education side to ensure that there's the combination of demand and supply capability. You combine that with the resources that will be available via NAM. That's where you see the synergies coming together to be able to drive the, uh, the, 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 the pieces and parts to get a chapter going in a local community. Did I get that right? I would clarify a little bit that I do think that a local EDO plays a tremendous role. Um, I will say you referenced the city council there, and I don't know that I would go with elected official side for anything at this point with this program, but I do think that having, if you, if you, if you stop and back up and realize that if you're handling economic development in the community, and that's a very wide array of activities, obviously, but one of the integral parts of that in every community is going to be workforce, education and workforce. Now, because I'm a little biased, because of my work on education policy, I generally subordinate workforce under education. I just say education is very important, and part of that is how we create our workforce. Um, but, but considering that an EDO is going to be handling workforce, then AMT clearly falls right smack dab in the middle of their workload. Now, compare, contrast that to uh, when you're starting this with employers. If you are, and I don't, I'm not picking on Toyota here, but if you have a Toyota or a very large manufacturer who can say, 
I'm going to take this employee and their time is going to be spent putting this together. Well, in a, in a rural area or an area where you don't have that large employers, they may not, and, and you don't have that buy-in either. Frankly, they're not, they're not as aware, they're not as ready to put resources into it. You won't have that, that paid employee who has the level of knowledge and the time and autonomy to start putting this together. So it won't happen from that employer side. You know, there may be a need there, a very strong need, but it won't, they won't have the resources to start pulling it all together. However, and there's also the issue of saying, I'm coming from company ABC, I'm going to company XYZ and saying, hey, let's get together on this. There could, there could be some, uh, some issues there with maybe some competition or just lack of trust, just because of, of lack of communication in the past. Having an EDO come in and play that role, I think is tremendous. To have them come in as sort of the third party that says, I can help coordinate this. I need to help coordinate this because I need to increase my available workforce. I need to skill up my available workforce AMT does that, and it's part of my role, part of my paid job is maintaining workforce, then this, is, this fits right up my alley. I can then go to each of these employers and have this conversation, build up that knowledge that allows them to then come to the table at one time. So I do think that um, the accountant development or workforce development specialists in the area played a tremendous and integral role in helping pull this together. They're simply in a position to do so that other uh, players may not be. I'm glad you made that clarification, I think, because for anybody listening to the episode to be able to look at it and say, uh, this is, you know, actually, that's what that is correct. We need to keep it out of the politics. We need to keep it out of the hands of the uh, the the local individuals. You need a third party with a vested interest in workforce development or economic development to basically bridge the gaps of whether it's trust or communication or whatever, but they have a clear mandate to focus on these these issues. So that makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you one last question. I close each one of these episodes with the same question, and I'd like to pose it of you. Tell me, what would you suggest to your younger self to either learn sooner or avoid altogether? It can be about your career, your professional life, or life in general. That's a great question. You know, I think that for me, uh, me personally, it would have to go back to education uh, and, and making the most of my post-secondary experiences right away. And so um, essentially for me, and I guess that advice for, for anyone else is to say that when you leave high school and you're an adult, quote unquote, at that point, you're making a lot of your own decisions. And, and I would just tell myself to make sure that I'm doubling down on that level of education that best prepares me for lifelong success. That knowing that two, four, or six years of intense education can make all the difference in my life, I would hit that a little harder. And I would encourage others to think about that the same way. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Tony on how launching a local fame chapter can immediately impact the economic vitality of local and regional communities, as well as how fame can change the trajectory of people's lives, whether we're talking about one of the fame students, their families, or their employers. Please feel free to send me your comments or any ideas on how I can improve the Skilled Trades Playbook on Twitter to at AYB Careers, or you can send me an email to J-C-A-R-O-S-S-O at atyourbest.com. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.